Y'all ready to be history? It's started. Welcome. Hi. 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 Hello, everyone. To the Pro Audio Suite. These guys are professional. They're motivated. Thanks to Tribooth, the best vocal booth for home or on-the-road voice recording. And Austrian Audio, making passion heard. Introducing Robert Marshall from Source Elements and Someone Audio Post, Chicago. Darren Robert Robertson from Voodoo Radio Imaging, Sydney. Tech to the VO Stars. George the Tech Whitam from LA. And me, Andrew Peters, voiceover talent and home studio guy. Line up, And welcome to another Pro Audio Suite. Thanks to Tribooth. Don't forget the code PAP200 to get $200 off your next purchase. And our brand new sponsor, Austrian Audio, making passion heard. Now, today we're talking about something a bit different, but uh, it's an interesting topic, and it's to do with the atmosphere in your studio or your booth. Um, George, it was your idea to talk about this. What yeah. inspired it? It came from a question somebody asked me. Uh, oh, actually, it came up in a Facebook discussion somebody was saying she has trouble in her studio being too dry which in for most of us is not really a problem um but in her particular situation it was so then she came up with well i then i, then I think i need a humidifier but isn't that going to ruin my equipment and so i was i saw a lot of responses some of them were probably spot on some not but i thought hey this should be something we address because we never have mm. and uh I thought we could all put in our two cents. So, you know, we're talking about maintaining temperature, maintaining humidity, but also keeping the air clean. All things that have to do with the air you breathe and the air your equipment sits in and your microphone operates in every day, you know, and how much attention should we put to that stuff? Yep. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, as we know, electrical gear just loves dust. Um, it doesn't matter how much you dust the thing. It's like it, it's actually falling behind you as you're dusting. So that's always an issue. The other thing, we used to have those negative or positive ionizers. I remember years ago in in radio studios I was working in. And I was reading something recently um, about those things affecting metals, you know, making them either rust or perish or whatever. So I don't know whether that's a fact or what, but... um, Robbo, you, you had something like that when you were a kid. Yeah, I had a um, – I was talking to George about this before we started recording. I had an ionizer um, when I was oh, probably 10 or 11, 12, around there. I had childhood asthma. Um, so what, we're talking mid early to mid-'80s. Um, and my parents came across uh, these things. They were new and fandangled at the time called an air ionizer. And, oh, look, I, I have a feeling from talking to George before we were recording that – Basically, they introduced iron particles or some sort of particles into the air that weighed down the dust particles and sort of made them fall to the floor as opposed to be floating in the air for me kind to breathe of. in. I can, Something. An like ionized that. particle is a, if I understand right, it has an extra electron, right? Okay. And therefore, it's charged one way or the other and therefore it attracts dust or attracts things and okay takes so the reason i would sort of think that you probably wouldn't want one of these in your studio is because i remember clearly that my this ionizer used to sit next to my bed on my bedside table and every couple of weeks my mum would have to sort of come in and scrub the 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 bedside table because it would get this sort of black soot sort of thing all over it which i presume was caused by whatever the ionizer was doing 
But um, I mean, it did a great job. I mean, my ass—I never had problems with my asthma. Full credit to my parents. Whatever, wherever they got the um, the inspiration to buy this thing from, one was completely spot on because it worked. But I remember it used to leave this mess behind, and I can't imagine that you'd want that sort of stuff floating around in your studio. But I'm sure since then the technology has also come a long way, no doubt. The technology really has, yeah. I only ever run a humidifier for the piano in my studio. And besides that, and the, and the guitars, you know, just try to keep it. In the winter, because here in Chicago it gets really dry in the winter. But besides that, don't do much. Yeah. Now microphones don't care about being too dry, but they don't like being too wet, right? Sure. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I I used to have a. Here's an interesting thing. My my U87s for the longest time. Um, eventually, what can happen is the gold can kind of evaporate off the diaphragm, and you can get a little hole in the diaphragm. Apparently. Wow. Um, really old microphones. This can happen with. And what I found with that U87 is that if you got too close to it and you were singing, your breath would get on it and it would short the mic out from front to back because the moisture yep. would make it across. And then you would just get a mute until it took like 10 seconds to dry itself out. And that's kind of the sign of at least a diaphragm that is uh, starting to go is if you kind of uh, give it like a... Oh, well. That was happening shuts down. to one of yeah. my clients' U67s. Yeah, uh, I didn't know yeah, why it was so happening. The, the, the diaphragm needs to be re-sputtered. Interesting. Okay. Which it happens. You know, it's like, apparently, I guess literally the gold can kind of evaporate or eventually flake off or somehow end up not where it's supposed to be anymore. So if, if your environment is on the humid side, let's say you live in Florida or... Well, if you're in Florida, you have 99% chance you have an air-conditioned house, and then you're in a dry environment. It's drying out. Yeah. But um, if, you're in a, if you're in a truly damp, if you're in the deep south or Philly and you don't have air conditioning, uh, where I'm from, are, are, should you be concerned? Or if it sounds good, it is good. Nothing to worry about. I think only if you're like, if it's so damp, you know how if you leave stuff like in your basement, at least this can happen in a Mildew. damp basement in Chicago. Yeah. Well, not even that, just you, you go back and the screws get just a little, like surface rust starts to happen yeah. on some some pieces. And you're like, they, they've they not been sitting in water or anything. It's just the air is that damp and that, that can happen in a basement. Um, but that's like excessive yeah. moisture. That's so not, so you, you wouldn't, you'd probably say it's a bad idea to run a humidifier inside the actual studio or like I think in this case a person has a booth and she was concerned about running the humidifier in the booth I was thinking no don't run it in the booth run it outside the booth in, in the room and just let the booth circulate the the humidity from the humidifier right the, I mean I think the thing about running a humidifier in a really closed environment is that it can possibly condense on the surfaces or like where's it gonna go? You want it to get into the air and whatnot. So if if you blast a humidifier into the wall, it's gonna condense almost by. I don't know. Maybe you do if it's really dry in there. Maybe you do want to humidify that. But I don't think it's gonna mess with your mic too much unless you're creating. I a think rainforest. you said like if, unless the microphone is in is in old or poor condition, mm -hmm. not likely gonna be an issue. I, now it's interesting. We we're talking about the Octava mics earlier in comparison to the Austrian Audio CC8s. CC and I had a pair yeah. of those. And the only time I ever had any problems with my Octavus was using them out in the field. And I distinctly remember trying to record the ocean sounds in South and, Jersey. And having problems? In a pretty, yeah, pretty moist environment. 
and they would start to do what we sometimes call motorboating. Have you ever heard a microphone, what they call motorboating? No. I've heard of motorboating, but it's got nothing to do with a microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, for the no, other podcast, Robbo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the other one he does. <laughs> no, they call it motorboating because it makes like a, a sort of a... Sort of a pulsing, fluttering sound. If you've ever heard a mic do that, yep. it's probably because of moisture. Okay. Um, I think actually that's one of the things that the, and it was fine. I think that's actually one of the things that the uh, good old MKH series is uh, designed for because they they don't work with a direct voltage off the capsule. And if, if you're familiar with what MKH it's an RF mic. It's an RF mic, right? And that makes it very resilient to weather issues and I believe also moisture. For anybody who's curious what an RF mic, it's radio frequency. What they do is they run a tone, almost like an FM tone, across the diaphragm. And then when the diaphragm changes its physical position, it changes the frequency of that tone just a little bit. And then they demodulate it, just like tuning into a radio station. And there's your audio, and that makes it somehow more resilient to weather. And there, I guess there's other advantages to the MKH radio RF mic approach, but that's what it is for you guys well, out there. Uh, interestingly, the comment you made before about condensation. So if you're in a real, like if your booth is super, super cold, like really freezing cold, is the, is your breath going to affect the mic? Hmm. I don't think your breath affects the mic. Well, first of all, your breath could affect the mic just in the sense that it gets on the mic and it weighs it down, right? It's just physical weight on the diaphragm. Um, so, but but too much moisture, I'm sure, is not definitely a good thing. I mean, you'd think that most equipment, except for instruments, would not like, but most electronics, I think, would be perfectly happy in a dry environment. You know, the, the um, C414, the EBs and... C12s and stuff. The early ones had the brass C12 capsule, mm-hmm. and then the later ones they changed out to the nylon capsule. And everybody wants the brass capsule, but the thing is about the brass capsule, it does get affected by temperature, so it can shrink and grow and shrink and grow depending on what the temperature is. Where the plastic one retains its form no matter what the weather is. Across temperature, better. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's my theory. Whether it's true or not, I have no idea, but I'm, I'm assuming it is. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, to... I'm just reading some different forum posts, you know, and these are not from like authorities, just people that think they know. So I'll take it all with a grain of salt. So but people, so, are saying so people like want, us, yeah, so yes, just, yeah right. guys that also think they know what we're talking about. Um, they're, you know, they're saying shoot for about a forty-five to fifty percent humidity in a studio environment, ideally, and that's not just for microphones, but for pianos and yeah. acoustic instruments, maintaining them. And they're tuning and all that stuff. So mm. that's a good goal to shoot for. So if your normal humidity is like 20%, you'll definitely need a humidifier. And then a good quality humidifier will have a good humidistat. So you can there, set precisely your humidity. Are there instruments in this studio or is this just a, it's a booth. It's a voiceover. Voice yeah, booth, I think right? they're worried about the microphone more than anything, but. I, I would worry about your voice and your comfort and how yeah, you want to be. And it. it's probably yeah. going to be well within range of what the microphone can handle. But if you were yeah. really worried about the microphone, personally, I would. If it was only about the microphone, I think I'd make it dry in there. Yeah, but dry is even, better than wet. But for a yeah. voice, for a person's voice, better. you wouldn't want that. Yeah, you right. don't want dry. Exactly. I'd make voice. it good for your voice. Yeah, that's right. yeah your voice. I, th- I think the microphone's got a pretty worse. broad range of sort of 
temperatures or or uh, moistures like what is it barometers that it can deal with I'm yeah not mm. sure what if your mouth is very dry and you're in a dry environment you're definitely going to get more mouth noise right mm. like you if you so, have a properly humidified environment you'll probably deal less with mouth noise clicks mouth clicks when i when i talk underwater i never hear any mouth noise <laughs> <laughs> i know a few people who can talk underwater should be true. <laughs> yeah. <I> drink water <laughs> Hey, here's one. Here's one that I've often thought of, um, in t- but not so much in terms of humidity, but in terms of dust. Right? I'm reasonably religious with my computers in terms of cleaning them and opening them up and getting rid of all the dust off the fans and stuff. Um, and maybe in music studios, this isn't so much of an issue because you know you're reasonably regularly changing mics for the to suit the purpose of what you're doing. But when you're doing voiceover, you've only got one or two mics. They hang for a long time. And, and this is an honest-to-God question because I've never really known. Sh- should I be, like, vacuuming my mic? I'd be concerned yeah. with vacuuming too close and causing a static event. There are some very expensive electronic-specific um, vacuum cleaners that are, have anti-static yeah. capabilities. Yeah. Um, so they, But I, I think there's some cheap ones, too. They, they make little small vacuum cleaners for vacuuming electronics specifically. Mm. So maybe look for one of those. Um, I've, I also, if, if the vacuum cleaner is powerful enough, I guess you could theoretically damage a diaphragm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have thought yeah. so. Yeah, you Possible. could. You could probably pull that diaphragm. Certainly, you can fix a speaker that's been like shoved in with a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. Well, see, I've, vacuum, yes, I've got a, yes, I've got yes, a vacuum yeah. that you can adjust the power on. So I don't. I certainly don't go into my computer and blast the living crap out of it. I've usually got it down yeah. on a reasonably low setting. So if I was ever going nice. to do my mic, I would do the same, but still. Sure. I, would, I, would think, I would think that to, to me, more the concern is just like vacuum cleaners tend to build up static electricity in the air because they have a spinning motor yep. kind of situation. Yep. And uh, I just wouldn't want to like shock the mic or blow a little diode or something that you're not aware of. So you're better off blowing it out then? Is that what we're saying? Use some compressed air and blow it? Is that what you would do? Or do you need to do it at all? I don't think you need to. I would just treat it really nicely with a with a nice with a nice rag. Yeah. Maybe maybe a tiny bit of moisture on a rag and just clean it it by hand. I'd be really careful cleaning the mic other than the chassis. Um if it's anything on the inside of the grill I would send it in once every I don't know, ten years or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and have it clean. Yeah, but there are data vacs and electronics vacs that you vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. So you, you can, I'm seeing them ranging in price from a hundred dollars and up. So not terribly expensive, but you know you can find one. And don't open the mic up. Not suggesting that. No, yeah. I would never yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if you're going to vacuum anything electronic, they recommend using an anti-static vacuum for anything with electronics. Okay. Generally, yeah. My old C414, uh, which was it's a 1983 model, it had a couple of uh, capacitors that went a bit pear shaped, so it had to be fixed because it lost uh, lost a lot of gain. Anyway, when the guy pulled it apart, the the um, capsule was perfect, wasn't even dirty, and that was what's that? Forty years old. That's incredible. They must have a good um, a good screen in there that catches a lot of. Yeah, a lot of dirt and dust, and it wasn't. Yeah. It hadn't been used. You can tell. You know, it's it's, it's had a, oh, an right. interesting life. But yeah, gotcha. it was in great nick. So, well, you were talking earlier about you know filters, dust, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There is a pretty high end air filter that 
I'd say it was, it's still within the realm of affordability if you're really, you know, if you really need something like this. But there's a company called The Molecule, and it's spelled M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E. Um, and it's using different kind of technology to remove not just like particulates, but even viruses. And it's interesting. Do you want to hear about the technology? Yeah, sure. Use? I just happen to have this queued up here. They call it Pico technology. Here's what they had to say. Inside the heart of every molecule air purifier is a unique process called Pico or photoelectrochemical oxidation. Molecule Pico filters are high efficiency filters coated with a proprietary nanocatalyst. As UVA light photons strike the nanocatalyst, hydroxyl and other radicals are created on the surface of the filter from water vapor. These are highly unstable molecules that only exist for a moment before rebalancing with the air. As pollutants pass over the filter, the hydroxyl radicals react and break them apart into natural, harmless elements like water and carbon dioxide. Finally, new radicals are created, ready for the next pollutant. Molecule beyond filtration. Next level. Okay, you get the point. Yep. So there's there, there that's the advertisement, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that's not like a, an independent scientific journal reviewing it. But uh that being said, yeah, if you're if you're really dealing with some serious air issues, if you have asthma, if you have trouble trouble sleeping, or if you're having trouble in your booth, maybe you got a booth that has a lot of VOCs because of the paint and the carpet. Something like this might be a really good idea to run in your booth when you're, you know, at night when you're sleeping or and just keep the room clean. I've actually got a Russell Hobbs Mountain Breeze, it's called, which mm-hmm. is the same thing, HEPA filters and all that kind of stuff, which purifies the air, which I've had in here for years, in fact. I don't run it very often. Maybe I should run it more often. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have one. I have a pretty big one. That's like I would say it's much larger than needed in my bedroom because it was a special deal on Amazon. and It's not something we think about that often. We're lucky because we're near the coast. Our air is naturally relatively clean here. It's yep. because of the onshore breeze and all that stuff. We're we're lucky. Those folks far east of us of L.A., sorry. You know, you <laughs> lived in San Bernardino, points east of Los Angeles. We have arguably the worst air quality in the United States. So yeah. for those of you out there in those areas, definitely consider something like this. They're really good fun too because if you turn it on and fart – it goes mental. Does <laughs> uh, it shine all kinds of splash all kinds of lights and stuff? Telling you, it just to... goes. The fans go crazy. <laughs> uh, anyway. Well, that was fun. Is it over? The Pro Audio Suite. With thanks to Trimooth. And Austrian Audio. Recorded using Source Connect. Edited by Andrew Peters. And mixed by Voodoo Radio Imaging. With tech support from George the Tech Whittem. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and join in the conversation on our Facebook group. To leave a comment, suggest a topic, or just say g'day, drop us a note at our website. TheProAudioSuite.com.